That's what I ruined for my friend. Mm. Mm. I thought that was in like the trailer. I didn't realize we were recording. If you can just bleep that out. Yeah, they bleep, they bleep the worms. <laughs> That's the better spoiler. Gross. Oh, man. You don't even want to read that book. The things they do to the worms. They fuck them. <laughs> They fuck the they worms. Fuck the worms. The giant worms that are like so big they could eat a house yeah. or more. And in my head, they're all kind of like tremors because I never saw the movie that was made oh, back in the yeah. You're right. 80s. Though. Yeah. I mean, that's what it. That's it is exactly what it is. Right. What I always were. picture but the Beetlejuice worm. Yeah, the Beetlejuice worm makes sense. Yeah. Tremors is. I feel like they're a little smaller than that. Like they could take in a couple humans, but not like come and suck out suck out <laughs> suck down my house or something suck down damn bitch suck or... down my house oh my god <laughs> you big worm um gross I yeah you're gross a married woman out. now i guess i will be when this comes out tomorrow Got your bottom tomorrow. Everyone always remembers that song from, from Annie, but do you remember the, I had the, you're never fully dressed without a smile song stuck in my head today. Ooh. Do you, you know, you're How never fully dressed without, without a smile. No, you're never fully dressed. No. Like Which, I forgot like, about that one. I think I was better off uh, having not remembered it. You're never fully <laughs> dressed without um, clothes. Clothes, basically. Yeah. If, if you were a man and you said that to me, I would fucking kill you. If I said uh, you're never fully dressed without ma'am, clothes, ma'am, you look naked. Can you smile? <laughs> Put on your smile. Uh, yeah. What else is in that one? I haven't seen Annie. The we got Annie. I remember that song that we they got sing. Annie. Yeah, when like Daddy Warbucks finally like buys her or whatever he does. Oh my God, that's not how it works. You can't buy children away. Every time, man. Two episodes in a row. Did you do it? I dropped a little bit. No, not all of it. You're getting rice everywhere. I'm going to put that in your fridge. Rice for the mice. Just to be a C word. No, I'm not going to leave that here. Oh, I don't know. I thought maybe there was still rice and I was like, cool, I'll give it to John's face. Oh, okay. I didn't I'll know. be like, here's some carbs. Let me watch you eat this. <laughs> I want to smell them. They're my smelling rices. <laughs> you can actually. And my kid's been making those for me. Little like ooh. rice socks, and they she puts lavender oh, yeah. essential lavender oil in them. Yeah. Aw, that's sweet. They're nice. Yeah. I'll just do that. I'll just get this already just cooked rice. Already put cooked it rice. In, a, in a wet sock, <laughs> and add some like lavender essential oils to I, it. I think just wet rice in a wet sock is probably going to make rice. its own essential oil. In a wet sock. That sounds like something a teenager would fuck. Um, oh, God. What Jesus. wouldn't they, though? True. But that would be so sticky. Mm-hmm. You can't be picky when it's sticky. I don't know. There's something there. <laughs> I didn't, Jesus. I didn't wow. get it. 
Well, welcome to Weird Brunch. Welcome to Wet Sock Brunch, mm-hmm. which is what it's been for two episodes. <laughs> I'm Karina Backyard. I'm Whitney Lamond. That's Lisa Friedrich. Oh, Lisa oh, on the, the mic. Worst. <laughs> That's Lisa. She's now just a dry paper bag. Yeah. Just full trash. Full trash. Is that a nanny song? A nanny? A nanny song. I was like, I bet Fran Drescher sang something called Full Trash at some point. That would be a great nanny song. They should put that in the sequel. The other nanny song is the little girls. Thank heaven. No. For little girls. No, not that one. That one's from Gigi. Oh. The most misogynist musical I've ever seen in my life. Uh the one that Miss Hannigan sings because she fucking hates little girls. And she's like, lucky me, lucky me. Look at what I'm dripping with little girls. Wow. Everything's dripping in this Carol episode. Burnett. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything is dripping. <laughs> yeah. It's Annie the porn. Oh. It's not. You can't Annie do that to a little red-headed hot, orphan. I'm just well, of course she wasn't. She was eight. <laughs> Holy but if she had like tried a little, you know, she had a beautiful head of hair. Did she go on to act? I, that was a wig. <laughs> it's gotta be. That was a fucking wig. Well, if you're gonna be petty, I will be. Okay. Annie, movie. Is she dead? <laughs> oh, she could be. Oh wait, of course she is. Yeah. It's I mean, been it's been years. a long time. Fifty years. Yeah, she was like 18 no, when she was in the movie. that movie didn't come out that long ago. Which one are you talking the about? The one with... It came out in the late 70s, right? Carol Burnett. Hold on. 1982. <sighs> oh, see? So Told you. 40 years. Excuse me. But I remember looking this up and thinking like, wow, 1982? It looks like... I feel like the film itself always looked really old 60s, to me. 70s, yeah. But oh, that was 70s. Uh, yeah. it wasn't. But the font on the poster, old. that is like, it's the same font that like Garfield used. And I wonder if the font on the poster was from like the radio show, like the original Little Orphan Annie Adventures or whatever. I don't know. It was a radio show? They probably didn't have I only fonts. know that because of the movie Christmas Story. Because remember, he's doing the Little Orphan Annie. He has the decoder. And it ends up that the decoding is drink more Ovaltine. No. Come on. God damn it. Someone out there is listening who knows what I'm talking about. They are sitting straight up in their chair and going, yes. Yes. Preach. That's it. Remember the lamp, though? Mm? Yeah. Hey, that lamp. lamp. When the kid licks the pole. Yeah. Remember that? (laughs) Bunny oh, suit. Wow. Remember the uh, BB gun? Yeah, you'll mm-hmm. shoot your eye out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, the... fine. Don't remember it. Ah, the ah, moth! The moth! <laughs> oh, shit. I'm really sorry I opened the door. <laughs> oh. I should have been like, leave the food. No. <laughs> Just leave it. Take the moth. <laughs> Drop it and leave it. Um, Cool. Put the carbs outside Whitney's window. Yeah. She needs the smell. I need to sniff them. Mm-hmm. I did sniff a can of Stroop waffles for a long time recently. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, Karina, what's your story? <laughs> your first, right? I think my story. Sniff Stroop waffles. It was going to be about this, but now it's going to be about the woman who snipped a can of Stroop waffles for a <laughs> and long time. And they come in cans. They do. Well, they can come in cans. Uh, they're the Pringles of <laughs> waffles. Of Once you cookies. sniff one, you 
have you have a to problem. sniff more. <laughs> Y'all tried those waffle Pringles? They can't about on planes. <laughs> What's the deal? Oh boy. My story is about Maud Mayberg, who changed her name. Uh, I don't blame her. Yeah, in the 1890s to Madame Yale. Wait, Ooh. like he, she? I'm sorry, she made her first name Madame. Madame Yale. Mm-hmm. And the reason she did that is because she started herself a cosmetics empire in the 1890s. Mm. Early 1890s, um, she started peddling skin creams and hair tonics and tinctures and all the kind of stuff that was in the Wizard of Oz. I love tincture. That's Mm -hmm. such a fun word. I do like that word. This was obviously like the whole snake oil Mm -hmm. era and it was all men, right? So this was unusual that she was getting into the game. But her wrinkle was that she was like the Gwyneth Paltrow of this shit. Gooping it. She was Mm. gooping it. She was like, not only do I make these products that don't do anything, but I say they do. But they made me beautiful and I'm cool and I'm going to tour the whole country giving lectures and making people think I'm awesome. And then because they like me, they'll want to buy a candle that smells like my snatch. What? That was her. Well, well, that's the Gwyneth Paltrow to that. (laughs) I was just making a parallel. I like that you're okay with Gwyneth Paltrow doing it though. (laughs) I mean, that makes sense to me. But back in the 1920s, if someone was like... Yeah, here's yeah. the scent of my vagina. Like, I'd be that like, that hasn't been wow, cleaned in a month. That like, let's... is extreme. Yeah. So she got this thing up to about an estimated value of half million dollars, which is about fifteen million today uh, in the 1890s. Okay, and Good she job. started about a decade before Elizabeth Arden and Estee Lauder. So she was mm-hmm. ahead of those people. Wait, is Estee Lauder a person? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Estee is a first name. A French yes. first name. It's a very French first name. Estée Lauder. Man, y'all should we read both the thing I've got. <laughs> so the way that Madame Yale got this off the ground was she wrote a book. We both did it. Sorry. What? It's just, I'm sorry. What? I have the giggles. Okay. Okay. Anyway, she wrote a book that was such a bestseller that you can still buy copies of it to this day. What's it called? The Bible. uh, Like not copies like it's still in print, but like you can find antique copies from 1890. It's called How to Cultivate the Complexion by Madame Yale. Oh my God. I just saw how much that was selling for. Well, it's an 1890s book. You know, they cost money. So she wrote in it that um, she had been hmm, ugly. And then she discovered Fruit Cura. And this was like her signature blockbuster product, which was like a fruit plant-based drink that you would drink. Okay. An elixir. And she wrote, uh, my cheeks were sunken, eyes hollow and vacant in expression, and my complexion was to all appearances hopelessly ruined. My suffering was almost unbearable. Mm. Tell me about it, bitch. physicians had long before pronounced me beyond their age. (laughs) That's what they but do. then I she started that. drinking fruit cura regularly after discovering it at age 38 and she emerged from a life of despair into an existence of sunshine and renewed sensations of youth i'm sorry was this the late 1800s or the early 1900s exactly it's 1890 oh okay <laughs> it's right it is all of those so 
She 38's a good lifespan. That's pretty good, right? She, yeah. So she starts looking hot at 38. She's That's her claim. Well, goddamn. And then she starts publishing pictures of herself and her book and stuff. And people are like, damn, I want to look like her because she is like hot and blonde and drinking this fruit cura. And also she starts coming out with other products. And she claims to be, she's riding kind of a little on the coattails of Madame Curie who was discovering, you know, chemistry things that were real and, and useful. <laughs> she she said she was in the lab mixing this shit up herself, you know? So they're like, whoa, she's like a genius. She would go around the country lecturing uh, all through the 1890s and dropping lots of money on newspaper advertisements. And God, she sold skin food Ew. Uh, to remove wrinkles, like restore youth, uh, bust food. For the development of the neck, bust, arms, and limbs. Neck. Yeah. And wait, so I, just I like the idea that thicker. it just yeah made all of your it upper just, torso just grow like yeah. boobs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just want Plum. to look like a football player. Uh, she sold hand whitener. Can't, Congratulations. Can't get away with that hand whitener. Blood tonic, which sounds delightful. Yum. Eyebrow and eyelash grower. Uh fertilizer a positive cure for constipation uh just eat more shit i mean <laughs> la freckla which is guaranteed to remove the worst case of freckles in existence and now people love them yeah rosebud lip solve i'd wear that yeah magical secret for medicating the bath you know what i i'd fuck with it uh, eyebrow pencils, molen wart extract. So a lot of mm-hmm. this stuff is actually pretty. Stuff that we use. You know that whitening cream you mentioned? Yeah. They sell that yeah. to this day. They sure do. And when I worked at Facebook, I used to have <laughs> to tell, I, have to, I used to have to uh, deny those ads. Yeah. Because they go so hard on it. They do. It's really fucked up. It makes they, me sad. This None of this is new. Or none of mm-hmm. this has changed. Like she basically invented, this is the lies like, while the dudes were running around at carnivals like saying take this and your hair will grow back and your dick will get hard mm-hmm. and she was like saying no like rub this cream on your skin and it'll have a better complexion and that was true i mean she was also making claims that drink my elixir and your face will look good which was not true not so much. she's doing both right the thing that she was doing that was so innovative was that in the 1890s if you wore makeup you were a whore, whore. Yes. Mm. So she was trying to get around Same. that by now. selling cream. <laughs> Ladies. Selling creams and elixirs and rubs and stuff to make your natural beauty come out. And that got people kind of like, oh, I can buy this makeup because it doesn't look like makeup, but it does make me look beautiful. Mm-hmm. Which again sounds very familiar. Like Glossier. And it, it, it paved the way for Glossier. Estee Lauder and Elizabeth Arden to sell, you know, lipstick. And Mary Kay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Eventually, Mary Kay. Eventually, Mary Kay. So, in, when she went to Boston, Boston, uh, in 1904, where the ugliest women are. At this point, she was a national hero. She was oh. huge. She was like Mark Twain. She could just sell out an arena and do a TED talk about her beauty products, her own shit, and people would just turn out in droves for days and days, like just endless engagement. She, in 1904, did an hour-long talk about beauty culture and products in which she changed outfits four times. Hell yeah. Yeah. And, like, people would swoon at how beautiful she was, the whole show. Like, this is Mm. really huge celebrity. It's like Oprah. Like Oprah. Very like Oprah. That's what I was thinking. 
and I need to read the introductory chapter to her best-selling novel because it is awesome. Okay. So please forgive me and indulge me. The average woman whom nature has not favored with a heritage of beauty (laughs) is far too often the victim of a distressing hopelessness over her personal defects. That's every woman. She stands before the mirror and with a sigh turns away saying, why was I born with such a plain face and such a horrible complexion? I've said that. Then she sits down, folds her hands and idly grieves over her facial misfortunes. What else are you going to do? Is the fucking 1800. She does not even try to make the best of nature's niggardly gifts. That's okay to say. By endeavoring to overcome as far as she can. She is like Mark Twain. (laughs) The defects which cause her such mental agony and create within her breast the desire to hide herself from all eyes. And so her life goes on with none of the sunshine of admiration in it and despondency and unhappiness in full possession of her disposition to her own misery and her friend's discomfort in other words bitch won't oh. shut up about how uggo she is that is the longest and run on making sentence. everyone feel weird about it yes so that word you said um n-i-g-g-a-r-d-l-y what it are its roots paltry and it has completely different roots okay and it's not related but we don't Got say it. it anymore yeah we because definitely don't it sure as hell doesn't sound good nope yep okay just curious yes no thank you for allowing me to clarify Anyway, Wait, what does it mean? What's paltry mean? Small, like small amounts, like you don't get much. Scraps. Well, maybe the Scraps. the roots of the other one are based on that word. No, they're not. It's the ar. It's like I I've looked. I used to know this. It comes from a different language. I think that one comes from Dutch, whereas the other one comes anyway. Mm. Yeah. So, I've actually never mind. All of these snake oil salesmen. Mm-hmm eventually led to the creation of the Food and Drug Administration. Boo! (laughs) Who were famously, I believe, the villains... No, that was the EPA uh, in Ghostbusters. Anyway. um, They were the villains of ephedra. They were. Dicks. So in 1906, the Pure Food and Drug Act basically created the FDA. And the first thing the FDA did was go after... Anybody who was running around claiming that their water could cause cures. Because like the doctors were like, seriously, people are dying because they're just drinking water. Mm -hmm. And one of the first people they went hard after was, hey, that woman who started a company and made a lot of money without a man. So Madame Yale became a celebrity case from the FDA. They analyzed all of her tinctures. They found it was mostly water with like 15% alcohol um, and 30% sugar. So it was basically she was selling White Claw. Delicious. And people would drink it and then they look in the mirror and go, All right. Good. These guys were just pissed that their wives were like, Buy me more of this. Yeah. And they're exactly. like, I'm tired of getting this bitch shit. I mm. want my dick to get hard with the old Tommy's water. <laughs> so you got me that old Tommy water. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. So they give her a $500 fine, which is no biggie. But they banned her from selling seven of her most prop- popular products, including Fruit Cura, Blush of Youth, and Skin Food. A third of her lineup. Wait, Lame. Fruit Cura was 
White Claw, right? That was the White Claw. Fuck yeah. Yeah. They should have named it for... So she went down. By 1910, she was just basically out of business and all the way gone. And she disappeared from like our cultural memory and like nobody talks about her anymore. It's actually hard to find any research on her, even though she was a huge celebrity of the period. She was basically erased from history by the FDA. Rude. Just because she did what all the other guys were doing and like, you know, said that, hey, this is going to make your life better. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody examined her hair tonic and it was mostly grain alcohol. <laughs> I bet it made your scalp feel tingly. I it know, did. I and it cleaned the fuck out of your scalp. Not they true. found out it, it made your hair tingly because it was full of capsicum, basically hot pepper. Like Oh shit. Yeah. She was just like grain alcohol. She basically gave people fireball to pour on their head. <laughs> I bet it dried out your hair too. So if you're doing it like once every two weeks, your hair probably looks okay for a little bit. Yeah. Because it's just dry as fuck. So in 18 or 1910, you could get a bottle of this stuff, which was pretty big. I don't know. It was a hundred cc's. It was probably like two syringes. No, no, no. That was what they examined. What the size of the bottles? There we go. 12 and a half fluid ounces. So like a, mm-hmm. a Coke can yeah. of this water that was scented with oil of bergamot, which is like, you know, Earl Grey, mm-hmm. 20% alcohol and a little bit of spice. I want it. Yeah. Like I would totally try Drink that shit. It. Yeah. And they said the, the doctors who examined it basically said at the end of the day, completely neutral safe substance to drink other than the fact that the alcohol will fuck you up pretty good mm-hmm. um and if she just stopped claiming that it you know grew your hair back right it be could okay. be a great cocktail it's fine um but because between 1910 and 1920 nobody wanted a cocktail in a mm, can rude she went out of business because mm. she couldn't keep saying that it would grow your hair back and that's the sad story of madame hill I'm sorry, Madam Yale. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll right into it. Roll. And talk about tight. another madam. Well, she wasn't a madam. But um, this, it's about a woman and also a little bit about the history of the island. Anatahan. Anatahan. Um, in, in the. Vida. In the northern Mariana Islands, uh, very close to Guam. Um, close to Japan. Uh, so Anatahan Island is about 13 square miles and it's got a volcano at the center party. Um, Spanish missionaries founded it or found it. And, uh, in 1668, uh, they put a coconut plantation on it and it was exporting 125 tons of coconuts every year. But um, by the end of the 19th century and they're like, eh, we don't know if we really want this anymore. So we're going to sell it to the Germans in 1899 who then sell it to Japan after World War One. Wonder why. Um, <laughs> the Japanese revamped the coconut plantation and that's where our gal comes in um they send a guy named kiku chiro higa or haiga to oversee 45 chamorro workers on this coconut plantation okay what could go wrong 
who knows? Uh, Kiku Chiro is appointed the deputy overseer. And, or, no, he appoints a deputy overseer named Shoichi Higa. So, I don't guess, because it's opposite, right? They both have the same last name, but in Japan, is it? In China, it is. I don't know about, don't Japan, know about Japan, and I don't know if whatever you're reading, they flipped it, and they flipped it back. Right. I don't okay. Know. Yeah. Anyways, they're both, their last names are both Higa. And so this deputy overseer comes to the island with his 28-year-old wife right before the start of the Second World War. Hot. Party. Um, so while the war is happening, uh, Anatahan, the island, is largely ignored because it's so tiny and there's not really anything there except for a bunch of coconuts and lonely dudes. Um, but... The deputy, Shoichi, uh, is like, oh, man, I'm just really worried about my sister. She lives about she lives on Saipan, which is 65 nautical miles to the south. He's like, I have to go make sure she's OK. Wife, I'm sorry. I'm leaving. I'll, I promise I'll be back. Swear. Oh. And he leaves. And okay. uh, he says he's going to come back within the month. But guess what doesn't happen? Oh, no. Him coming back. Where'd he go? I, nobody knows. Uh, until later. Uh, oh. His <laughs> wife, the only woman on the island, Kazuko, grows lonely pretty quickly. And <laughs> also being around like 47 dudes is a lot. Mm-hmm. Um. So she marries her husband's boss, Kichiro, I'm sorry, Kikuichiro, the one I said at the beginning, Higa. Um, so, you know, same last name, whatever. Yep. Uh, so everything is pretty much going cool until the war does get a little close and there were some Japanese vessels that were bombarded pretty close to the island and as the vessels are sinking 31 japanese sailors swore they swim they're i guess within swimming distance of anatahan and the higas are like okay yeah like come on over this will be great um and the castaways are like tight we're gonna inhabit this island with you um because there's literally nowhere else to go yeah we can't go anywhere else and (laughs) they're not coming to pick us up so we're stuck here um kazuko is like this kind of fucking sucks but whatever we're fine and um The settlers, or the settlers, the survivors are settling in. They're assisted by her and her husband. Um, And later in 1944, the U.S. invades the Mariana Islands and Uh seizes the main island. And they just don't even pay attention to Anatahan. And so they're completely left out of the war, basically, still. Uh, the, ca- the castaways on the island were cut off from communications with the government and the chain of command, which is not a good thing, mm-hmm. and are entirely isolated from the outside world. 
That doesn't sound like a bad way to be, though. Yeah. It's not. It's just that it's a Especially hot, like a bunch of dudes on a tiny island with a volcano in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, at one point, a B-52 crashes on the island and they're able to scavenge the metal and all this stuff. And they learn how to make their own coconut rum. Oh, or liquor. I don't know if it was rum, but they figure out how they can ferment the coconuts. And And you said that they were on an island, right? Yeah. And a B-52. It was a B-52. Yeah. Were they taking B-52s? You mean the shot? Um, No, I was going to ask if they were if they ever found any rock lobster. I bet they did have rock lobsters. That's good. Um, good (laughs) I didn't think that walk was going to pay off. It did. So the guys, you know, time is passing and the guys are starting to get a little horny. Yeah. Um, As they do. Give them a wet sock full of rice. Yeah. One night, a wet sock full. Yep. Yep. A wet coconut. Coconut rice. If they have any. One night, Kazuko's husband just kind of mysteriously disappears and she's like fuck like i can't like i'm the only woman i need someone to be my bodyguard basically Mm -hmm. she's like uh i'm gonna marry the biggest one of you bing you're the winner uh and like a couple days after that happens another one of the castaways shoots her husband her new one oh and he's like, now you have to marry me. Oh, man. And like he says that. And the this other the 40s people are like, no, fuck you. You get you killed that other guy. This is wrong. And so they slit his throat. Oh, my God. Um, now you have to marry that guy. Diana, like, Helen of Anna Nagata, whatever. <laughs> Helen of, of Troy? Yeah. Oh, of Anna Tahan. Yes. Got it. Um. So the guys are like fighting over this woman and she's like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just don't want to get raped. Basically, she's um, like, I'm not even that good in bed. Just leave me well, alone. And the thing about it. OK, I'm going to read you how they described her. Oh, no. Real quick. So <laughs> it's very rude. Oh, Um. I mean, it, this is described by like somebody by madame yell yeah yeah she would have said this shit <laughs> hold on <laughs> so because in an article really talk about fucking websites with so many goddamn ads it's a nightmare our our job for it. this podcast is it's a nightmare so many yeah. of these websites yeah. are like yeah. we're gonna load in 30 fucking seconds you are getting such a bargain here. The amount of time you are not getting ads to yeah. learn these mm-hmm. stories. We're not even asking you to buy anything. Yeah, if you do want to ask us to sponsor something, we no, will. Yeah, right. We will give you an now ad. Now it's just, it won't let me see it. But they described her as lantern jawed and that calling her handsome would be nice, like comparing her to a dude. And I looked at pictures of her and she doesn't even look that bad to me. But um, y'all can decide for yourselves whenever I post pictures of her. Um, so now I have to find my... 
Yeah, if y'all can go to our uh, Instagram whenever we post this episode and just vote hot or not. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) Hot or not. (laughs) Ancient people. Hot or not. Would you fucking? I looked her up. She's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, right? She just looks like a lady. Did these sailors not hear the phrase any port in a storm? Because. No, that's true. It really applies here. So. Well, that picture is a little different than like these. Well, Well, there's. Some of these are just movie edits. Yeah, there's a movie that they made about her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's chill. Oh, it was a B29, not a B252. Rock lobster. Oh. No rock lobsters. Regular lobster. It's a fucking lobster. So all these guys are fighting over her. And by 1950, so after the end of the war. Yeah. Because they didn't really know if yeah. anything had happened. They didn't oh. nuke Anatahan. You don't think that they saw anything in this guy? This is far away. I mean, it's near Japan in the way that nothing else is between it and Japan. It is an island in the middle of nowhere. The Northern Marianas are like farther from anything else (laughs) in the Pacific, I think. So by 1950, 11 men have died. Over this woman? Over this woman. Okay. None of them just had a coconut The guys decide. Was this leave her with 19 men? 18 men? There were 37. Okay. So I'm treating this like an Agatha yeah. Christie novel now. So yeah. by 1950, 11 dudes are dead. And they're like, you know what? It's this bitch's fault. Mm-hmm. We don't even, we don't like her anymore. Let's just kill her. And so but she, they're like, we're going to no- kill her because she makes too much trouble between us. But one of the dudes tips her off. And she's like, all right, all right I'm going to go into hiding. Bros, man. While she's in hiding, she sees a U.S. vessel out oh, in the ocean yes. and like gets somehow flags them down and they come over and they like pick her up and bring her to Japan. And she becomes this celebrity because of her stories about these guys trying to marry her. <laughs> and they call her the Queen of Anatahan or... Queen B sometimes from what I've seen. Doesn't really sound very queen like no, job. It doesn't. So she kind of tours around and is telling her story to all these people. And in Okinawa, she finds her fucking first husband what? who left to find his sister. Oh my god. And he was just chilling on like, Okinawa oh, with you're Miyagi. Just, like fucking here. You wanna just get remarried? And he's like Definitely. What the so she fuck? remarries this guy. Girl, you're better than I that. Know. But after the celebrity died down, uh, she <laughs> basically goes fades into obscurity and becomes super poor. I've seen different stories, but she supposedly turned to prostitution. You know, it was a bad kind of downfall. And she dies in the 1970s. But um, there are still those handful of dudes out on this fucking island. Yeah, well, I was going to ask what happened to them. There's 26. They were there. She was like, I'll be back. (laughs) Um, Turns out she didn't come back either. (laughs) The Japanese soldiers are still holding out there. They also still, for some reason, just don't believe that the war ended. The U.S. <laughs> what, keeps the rumors didn't get flying over the island and dropping flyers 
that say that the war ended six years ago. And when that doesn't work, they start dropping letters from soldiers' relatives and the Japanese authorities telling them that they need to surrender the island. (laughs) And by that point, they finally believe them because they did not believe the U.S. They were like, bullshit, Japan would never, ever pull out or surrender. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, and then Japan's like, no, we fucking did. We Y'all need out. to get out of this yeah. island, you weirdos. So um, on June 30th, 1951, they hop on a passing ship that they flagged down. Um, they didn't send a... Sh- so they fly over them 95 times to tell yeah. them the war's over, but they don't send a ship to pick nope, them up? Nope, nope, I don't know why. The fuck? Uh, <laughs> Go get the dudes. They, I guess mad. they just you know where they give are. A shit about it. Look at you getting mad about this. After the Japanese left the island, how does it feel? Um, it's bad. Some other Northern Mariana Islanders settled on the western side of Anatahan, but they were evacuated in 1990 <coughs> after an earthquake, which made the volcano erupt. So Oops. now it's uninhabitable because there's an active, a super active volcano on it. Super active. Super active. Active enough to where you cannot live there. Oh. Um. Anyways, that's the story of Anatahan Island, where the Queen woman Bee. Re- Queen Bee reigned, sort of. I don't I believe it. Rain is the right yeah, word. Yeah, I don't know if rain is the right right word either. Kept herself alive. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. What happened to the coconuts? I, the yeah, the them. volcano got them. We all know the story of Moana. We do. And mm-hmm. when Taka comes, she burns up all the coconuts. That's right. Yeah, someone needs to put that heart back in that they fucking do. coconut Get that tafiti mm-hmm. back. That's right. Well, speaking of a uh, celebrity dying out into nothing. Um, <clears throat> uh, so let's start out here in 1599. Uh, Henri IV. Mm-hmm. of France. Um, his marriage to Marguerite de Valois. Uh, she was a Medici through her mother, though. Um, that first marriage was annulled in 1599. And um, he... It was annulled because, you know, he's fucking baby hungry, but only dude baby hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, As yeah. they were. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll have like a queen and then guys just start killing each other. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, you know, who needs them? Um, right. So in 1599, he married uh, Marie de Medici. So same family. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the same grocery store. If yeah. If you find what you want, you know. Um, it was a very elaborate ceremony held in Florence. Uh, as king, though, Henri could not leave his kingdom. <laughs> of France and Marie could not leave Florence without becoming a married woman. Mm-hmm. So he, it was just this so big party for her. <laughs> so that she just threw a quinceanera. Yeah, it was just a fucking okay. rager for her, which That's is awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. He can't be here. He's busy. Yeah. yeah. He, he just, it's illegal. He's, he's running a country. Yeah. Well, it's um, legal. You just have to declare war. On he Florence. steps out. The musketeers are taken over. <laughs> um, the marriage was uh, was last minute, though, to Marie, because uh, Henri wanted to marry his mistress of many years, uh, Gabrielle de Estre, but uh, she was five months pregnant, and they were supposed to get married, and um, 
she uh, died giving birth to a stillborn baby boy. He was so close. So then he was like, oh, this bitch, like her mom's side and her dad's side, they're just full of babies. So he was like, Marie, get get over here. And then uh, her family also paid him like a fuck ton of money. <clears throat> Take her. Um, so she like quickly jumped right into this baby factory job. Uh, she gave birth to uh, finally a boy who would be Louis the 13th uh, in 1601. Ah, I knew it. He was a sickly child, um, and he was really fucked up mental and physical. Um, And so the doctors were like, I don't know who's going to do this. Um, And Marie was like, all right, well, fuck it. Let's keep going. So uh, over the course of almost 10 years, she ends up with uh, six children. Five of them survived to adulthood. What? (laughs) In the 1600s. Um, her yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, so her oldest daughter becomes Queen of Spain. Uh, the second becomes the Duchess of Savoy and the youngest uh, marries Charles the first and becomes Queen of England. So uh-huh. she's got oh, that Charles good- the first. Okay. Yeah. Not the Spain one with the jaw. No, no, okay. no. This is Chucky one. Okay. Um, the jaw. Yeah. Habsburg. And then mm-hmm. her, her other son... <clears throat> Gaston, <gasps> oh, I no love it. Who was ones. also clearly her favorite? Uh, he spent the rest of his life lurking around the French court, enjoying his royal privileges. Very, very Gaston. Oh of God, him. I love him. Um, and then every now and then he would try to start a fight with his brother and take the throne. <laughs> yeah. Um, got nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh. They had, uh, Henri and Marie had like a really, you know, tumultuous marriage and cause he was very into like fucking around and keeping like a rowdy group of people around him. And she was like, Oh, whatever. I hate this. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he had his favorite mistresses, if you will. Uh, and he had an official mistress, uh, Henriette de Entrague. Um, and Marie was like this is fucking stupid I hate this I don't trust any bitch around you you're a hoe (laughs) and then uh, she also like this fucking sucks they raised a lot of his mistress's children in the uh, royal court Mm -hmm. so Marie's like yeah I guess that's your brother but don't fucking call him that yeah exactly Um, Jon Snow Catelyn Stark yep yep um and then on the flip side, Henri was like, uh, Marie, your friends are fucking annoying. <laughs> uh, there was this one guy, Concino Concini? Concino Concini. Concino Concini? I hate it. Yeah, I that's, love it. That's what it is. Um, and he was uh, an adventurer uh, with a knack for annoying the French. Hmm. Um, and then his wife, Leonora Galigai. Uh, and that was one of Marie's childhood friends. So uh, she also was very generous with money and favors to her friends. Right. So all if of these, can. yeah, all the people of France were like, "The fuck are you doing? What do you? What is this? These aren't even our people. Quit right. it. Quit it. Cut um, it out." Yeah. And then Leonora was also accused of witchcraft. So mm. they were not uh, really into her friends. So uh, 
Henri was trying to find balance between uh, the religious factions. So, like, you know, he's got Catholics pissed at him. He's got, you know, uh, Protestants. Like, everyone's fucking mad at him because he's like, hey, can't we get along? And um, he survived over 20 assassination attempts. Wow. Wow, man. And then a zealous Catholic. God damn it. A motherfucking Catholic on May 14th, 1610, stabs him twice. He dies immediately. And that sick bitch, Louis Thirteenth becomes king. Oops, he's too sick and young. Marie, regent. Let's go, bitch. All right. Um, so, of course, that didn't happen smoothly. Um, everyone was like, mm, interesting. He was... Um, he was murdered and all your friends are shitty. Um, and the day before his assassination, Marie was crowned queen of France after 10 years of marriage. So she was not officially queen until the until day like, before he died. <laughs> nice. She got one day of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. That sucks. Mm. Um, so it was just like, Everyone's like, this is bullshit. This is 100% bullshit. So she's like fighting uh, to, you know, gain the confidence of of her people now. So she was supposed to serve as queen regent only until uh, Louis was 13. Mm-hmm. Louis the 13 became 13. Um, he became truly nice. the yeah. 13th. Yeah. But she held on a lot longer than she was supposed to. Um, she demeaned her son in public and refused to let him like take part in any politics. Uh, she would also show her favor for her, her Italian homies. Um, and uh, with... Wait, hold on. God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. Oh, that... Uh, Concini guy was elevated to uh, Marquis de Ancre and became her closest advisor. With his help, Marie reversed years of anti-Spanish foreign policy. Mm-hmm. She was a Habsburg on her mother's side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so she established an alliance with uh, the imperial family and uh, cementing the peace with the marriage between her son uh, and the Spanish Infanta and of Austria. And solidifying French as a Catholic nation. Sure, that's not mentioned. Um, well, because Henry initially wasn't Catholic. He converted. And there was like question if they'd stay Catholic or not. And then like she made it like, yes, for sure. Hmm. 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 Um, so she's kind of running around a little bit. And then Louis was like, Mm, this isn't tight. I don't care for this. <laughs> and I'm supposed to be up there. You're supposed to be sitting your ass down, mama, you're done. Um, and then in the early hours of April 24th, 1617, Louis the 13th and his close friend, Charles de Luynes, uh, initiated a palace coup, which is, sounds like a really tiny, cute, Coup. That sounds, sounds like adorable. what Harry mm-hmm. and Megan just did. Yeah, yeah. they're like, mm, watch, bye, cuckoo. Um, so <laughs> she, <laughs> she, uh, oh, uh, so Concini was assassinated. His wife was beheaded for witchcraft, and her remains burned. And Marie was placed under house arrest before being exiled to Chateau de Blois. Louis was not fucking around. Worst places to be exiled. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, so she wasn't just going to like sit and chill. Like she really was like, no, fuck you, dude. Like, I don't give a shit that you're my son. And you, actually, you should be respecting me. So she's hanging out with some nobles at the chateau. And uh, after two years, she makes her escape. Um, and with the help of a group of soldiers and her maids, she's lowered down onto a ladder uh, and proceeds to climb down until she gets stuck. Oh, no. Mm. Um, so she's freaking out. The soldiers are forced to carry her down the ladder. Uh, when they get to the ground, she's mistaken by a group of passing guards for a prostitute. Uh-oh. Uh, so she is also like, well, if, yeah, how, how much would you pay for this? Yeah, <laughs> like just right. to like fuck around. Um, <laughs> she's just having a good time got? out of the chateau. Yeah. So the escape was, uh, almost a complete failure when they had gotten a number of miles away from the chateau. Marie realized that she had left behind a casket of jewels. She intended to sell to finance the necessary oh, armies bitch. to wage war against her son. Yes. Bad mm-hmm. move. Get so in. she ordered the carriage to turn around and, and the jewel case was still sitting in the grass. Oh, Who shit. the fuck knows why? She's like, damn, that was lucky. Yeah. It's basically a treaty between her and her son, which is that's so fucking dramatic. So now they're friends again. Uh, and she's like, cool, I'm going to build this huge palace in Paris uh, just so people know that I'm the shit. Uh, <laughs> and call it Versailles. Mm. Um, no, that, that was not in Paris. Was, That's oh. in Versailles. No, it's the Luxembourg mm. Palace. Yeah, yeah, it's Luxembourg. Uh, so she starts building that in 1615, and building came to a halt when Marie falls out of favor again. <laughs> Whoops. Um, she did return in the project, though, um, and it's been the seat of the French Senate since 1958. It's very pretty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, there's this dude, uh, Richelieu. Um, Cardinal Richelieu. Mm-hmm. And at first he was like tight with Marie. And then he was like, wait, this Louis kid's got it going on. I'm going to be tight with him. Mm-hmm. And then he's and then he's like, you know what? Actually, Marie, I was kind of cool with you, like even though I was more cool with him. But now I don't care for you. So she's doing whatever she can to be like, this dude needs to get the fuck out of here. He's ruining my shit. And then uh, on November 10th, 1630, she like just fucking unleashes on this guy uh she is like laying down every charge she can think of before her son she's like he's done this and this and this and this and this and louis leaves the room and marie's like hell yeah he didn't say anything he's just gonna come back and like fuck this guy fuck this guy fuck this guy um and the court like the court like went around marie's apartments to pay like fawning respect and like oh my god um you know you're gonna take over everything um but then louis the 13th visits his mom the next day and she's like yeah here it comes and he's like yeah, uh, so I'm going to let that guy take charge, and um, yeah, you got to get out of here. We're arresting you. You're exiled again. Uh-oh. So now she's up in the Spanish Netherlands. It's exhausting. I, yeah. For her, You're, not no, for me. No, for me. No. Um, so Spanish then, Netherlands. Yeah, so then the she gets... The best kind. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and then she goes to Cologne. Um, oh, 
so that's actually, you know, the last 11 years of her life. She's, she's exiled to Cologne. Yeah. Um, she was destitute. And in 1642, she died um, in Cologne, where she was living at the expense of Peter Paul Rubens. Um, Paul Rubens. Pee Wee Herman. Pee Wee Herman. And then she was followed to the grave only a few months later by Richelieu. Yep. And then by her son in 1643. Yep. And then l'état c'est moi. The King Louis the Fourteenth. The state is me. I am the state. Mm -hmm. I am the king. Fuck all y'all. No mm -hmm. more regents. No more cardinals. No more mother-in-laws. Just me. So Louis nice. the Fourteenth was the son For of him. the sick Louis Thirteen. Mm -hmm. and, and he was the sun king. He's the one who built Versailles. He was like the one yeah. with the tights. Yeah. Hmm. Iron mask. My favorite thing about Henry the Fourth is like he was like their Justin Trudeau. Like he was just a hottie, and everybody like worshipped him, and he could do whatever he wanted. That's nice. And the he was a Protestant, and like to take over and become king. And the French were like, "Dude, we want you. We want you so bad. Mm -hmm. Like, please be our king. You just have the best be. claim. You just got to be Catholic." Mm -hmm. And he's standing outside the gates of Paris with his whole army, and his his like advisor saying, "You can either charge in there and take over Paris with your army and kill everybody, like Danaris, you know, like like mm -hmm. you can be a Danny, or you can be a Jon Snow, right?" And play it cool. And he bees a Johnson. And he's like, ah, I guess Paris is worth a mass. Like that's his famous quote. So, he, so he converts, converts to and Catholicism. And he goes and has like a conversion in Paris. So that, and it's his girlfriend who died, the one who had it as baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who con convinced him. Wah. And then France stayed Catholic when everybody else in Europe went the other way. Well, whatever. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> History. Wait, which Louis was the one that was the... Oh, I'm way ahead in my head. You're about 100 years ahead. Yep, never mind. Man the Iron Mask was late 16 yeah, or no, early 17. No, we can cut that out okay. so I don't look like an idiot for not knowing my Leonardo DiCaprio movies better. Oh, I mean, France, when people are wearing tights, that covers like 300 years of history. It, it all runs things, together. Yeah. Tights. Yeah. It's not. We're not it, into baguettes and striped shirts yet. Is it <laughs> Jason Schwartzman or Leonardo DiCaprio? You know? Wait, who did what? Jason Schwartzman play? He's the baguette with the stripes. No, he's uh, in, in Marie Antoinette. Oh. oh. I, I didn't, yeah, didn't care for that movie. Oh. Yeah. But. You know, whatever. Uh, we'll see if I'm invited back next time. Yep. <laughs> well, it's not an invitation. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. Permanent. We're gonna do this until we die. That's it. Man, the last thing I wanna do is tell jokes right now. All right. Why start now? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Follow Bye. us on everywhere at Weird Brunch. Bye. Bye. Okay.